Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Let's go to Mark chapter 4 and and, uh, and start with uh, verse 24. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Now Jesus says this, this is, uh, another account is given in Luke 8, the same, the same uh, teaching. And he says it this way, Luke 8, 18. Therefore take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away from him. The Amplified says in Luke 8, 18, Be careful, therefore, how you listen. For to him who has spiritual knowledge will more be given. And from him who does not have spiritual knowledge, even what he thinks and guesses and supposes that he has will be taken away from him. Be careful how you listen. Did you know that's important? It's important how we listen. The value we put on the word determines what that word's going to do in our lives. He spent a lot of time talking about the sower sowing the word into four different types of ground, and only one out of the four actually produced a harvest. You know who determines whether you're good ground or not? You do. This whole teaching in Mark 4 puts all the control, responsibility, ability in our hands. Isn't that nice? He's pretty much saying you can have whatever it is you want to believe for. You can have whatever you want from God. Just get, a, get His Word on it. Plant the Word in your heart and let that bring forth the harvest. So it's, it's really putting your future in your own hands. And, and that's really what the Bible does, what the New Covenant does. Jesus did all the work. He paid for everything. But it's up to us how much we get. How much of it are you going to receive? How much is God going to do in your life? The amount of, of influence and power and blessing that God has over you, in you, invested in you, is really determined by you. He does not chase people down and force His blessings on them. He's waiting for us. It, it really is like, and we're going to read this next parable, but it really is like planting a seed. It, when, when God gave the world seeds, He really put the um, responsibility... For harvest in our hands. I mean, if you want more green beans, plant more. But don't plant one row and then complain for the next year about why you don't have as many green beans as Roland has. And he planted ten rows. And you only have one. And you, well, does God love him more? No. Well, did he, you know, is God, is God moving more in his life? No, God will multiply. He will honor the seed you plant. What God does in your life is determined by the seed you plant, by the word you believe, by that which you've held on to from God's word. What we try to do is put everything off on God or put it on somebody else. Well, you just never know what God might do. Hopefully tonight will be your night. Well, that's not how God works. God works by principles. And He will do in you 
what you believe for him to do, what you allow him to do. That really makes the kingdom of God fair. Talk about equality. There's total equality in the kingdom of God because we're just dealing with seeds, and they work the same for everybody, anybody. And they, and they do work. See, seeds work. This whole seed principle works. That's why we have food in the grocery store right now. It's because seeds work. Notice that, the, that God didn't give the world a lifetime supply of produce. He didn't give us a, 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 an, an enough produce to feed the human race for 100 years or 4,000 years. He didn't do that. He gave us seeds. And he did the same with his word. It's the same God, same principles, only the spiritual things actually work better than natural things. Isn't that amazing? So let's, let's go down here to Mark chapter 4, verse 26. No, 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 no. I want to go down. Yeah, 26. It says, And he said, The, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I struggle with as the preacher. As I'm talking about seeds, I'm trying to get you excited about it. I'm trying to tell you how good it is. But there's a certain amount of mystery that comes to a seed. I mean, in the natural. If I, if I gave you a bag of seeds, you'd be underwhelmed. Wouldn't you? It's like, here's seeds. This is going to supply you for the rest of your life. Oh, goody. What exactly am I supposed to do with these precious seeds? Take them to your house, go out in the backyard and dig a hole, put them in, cover them up, and step on them. You're kidding me, right? And that's supposed to produce this miraculous event called harvest? Yes! What does that have to do with harvest? That's what you do with something when you want to get rid of it. Like, like you want to get rid of the evidence. You dig a hole, put it in, cover it up, step on it. Am I right? You, you do that with, with, with things you want to dispose of. And I'm supposed to take these precious seeds you spend all day telling me how powerful and wonderful seeds are, and I'm supposed to dig a hole and put them in the hole and cover them up and step on them. Yes, yes, that's right. And that's the mystery of the seed. It says, he does not know how. The miracle of life is in the seed, and I can't explain that. Do you know they've found seeds that were put in pyramids that are thousands of years old? And, and they took the seeds. They, somebody buried the Pharaoh, you know, with the seeds so that when he was re resurrected, he would have some food. Uh, hope that worked out for him. So they found him before he got resurrected, I guess. And, and the seeds were there. And they took these thousands of year old seeds and planted them. And they grew. And you could take the same chemicals and you couldn't make a seed to save your life. Scientists can't reproduce a seed. There's, some, there's a spark of life in a seed that nobody can put in and nobody can take it out. And when you plant that seed, it grows and you just don't know how it works. This always fascinated me in Proverbs 4, 20, where we're supposed to attend to his words and incline your ear to his sayings and, and keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. 
That used to amaze me. The word, you, something in a book. I mean, it's not even in the same realm. And I'm supposed to take these words that I can actually read in a book and I can put them in my mind and somehow they translate into health in my flesh. It's hard to make that jump, isn't it, in your mind, but it works. It does work. There's something in the Word that gets in you when you put it in. I don't know how, but I know it works. We need to quit trying to figure out how this seed time harvest thing works and just work with it. The farmer doesn't know how, but he knows it will, and he goes out. He spends thousands of dollars to sow seed in an empty field because he knows I'm going to get back more than I put in. It's just a matter of time. How many of us have that kind of confidence in God's Word? It's, it's a mystery, but it works. And God put the Word here for us to, for our benefit, so that we can take His Word and get His blessings. I, I said it this morning, let me say it again. The, the Bible contains God's blessings in seed form. You, you can't go to the supermarket, I don't think you can do this yet, and buy divine healing packaged in, by the pound. I'll take two pounds of divine healing, please. And could you carry that to the car for me? You can do that with all these other natural foods because somebody else planted them, somebody else grew them, somebody else harvested them, and they packaged them. But you can't do that with the things of God. If you're a Christian, the time is going to come. Let me just tell you, the time's going to come when you can't get your fully manifested, full-blown miracle instantly from somebody else. There's coming a time, maybe it's already here for you, where you're going to have to go to God's Word and stand on the Word of God for yourself. That's God's best for you. That puts you in charge of your destiny and not somebody else. And that's the way God wanted it. He didn't want us to be dependent on the preacher or on the evangelist or on the TV guy. He wanted us to be able to go to His Word and plant that Word in our own lives and see that Word produce in us. And here's the whole concept of stay out of my garden. When I was young, I was Methodist, as you found out this morning. I told you more than I should have. But I can't tell you your story. I don't know your story. So anyway, I, I uh, grew up Methodist. And, and when I found out, we didn't know anything. We were never taught against anything. We just didn't know much. And when I found out that God still does miracles, I believed it. And when I found out that God still baptizes in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I believed it. When I found out that divine healing and miracles is for today, I believed it. And it was a wonderful experience for me. And God started doing these things in our lives. And it, the, one of the biggest surprises to me was other people who didn't believe all that would come and try to tell me it's not for today, that it's not for us, that it doesn't work. And, and so I, I coined this phrase, stay out of my garden. If you want a garden of 15, let's say everybody's got a 15-row garden in your backyard, and you want to plant all 15 rows of salvation, help yourself. I'm fine with that. I'm not trying to put anything off on you. But if I want a few rows of divine healing and a few rows of miracles and a few rows of God does the same today as He did yesterday, Jesus Christ is the same. If I want a few rows of deliverance, 
don't come over to my garden and try to pull up my plants. Leave me alone. I had people come to my apartment when I was a youth pastor and try to talk me out of speaking in tongues. And that was their whole argument was tongues is not for today. Why would somebody waste their time coming to me and trying to tell me that? That's what I asked him. I said, I said, uh, you're too late. He said, what do you mean I'm too late? I said, before you came here this morning, right here in this apartment, I prayed in tongues for an hour. I know that tongues is for today. I already did it today. Now, if you want to argue it's not for tomorrow, maybe we could debate that. But I know it's for today. I already did it. It's for today. Stay out of my garden. It's no mystery why God does in a church like this, he'll heal and deliver and prosper and do miracles. Why? We preach that. And it's no mystery why in other churches and other denominations he doesn't. Why? They don't preach it. It's a matter of seeds. Am I right? If you took your 15 rows in your garden and you planted it with green beans, all you're going to have in your garden is green beans. That's not... uh, There's no judgment or condemnation or partiality. That's just how that works. But it's not right for you then to look at your garden that you have cared for, tended, perfected, and say to the rest of us, green beans is the will of God for today. Look at these green beans. Corn, tomatoes, and okra passed away with the last apostle. (laughs) How can you say that? Well, because I don't have that in my garden, and nobody loves gardening more than I do. I mean, look at that garden. It is beautiful. I love gardening. I'm good at it. I've been more faithful than anybody in town. My garden is the most fertile garden in town, and I can assure you, if God was going to do corn, He would certainly do it in my garden. Therefore, corn is not for today. See how foolish that is? And then you got churches like us who came up out of nowhere and we're all excited and fanatical. And you know God doesn't love us anymore and He loves them. We just planted more seeds. We just were bold enough to plant some divine healing and plant some miracles and plant some supernatural moves of the Spirit. We, we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, He's able to do that in our lives. It's not a matter of God loving somebody more than somebody else. It's just seeds. So if you need more of something, quit begging and hoping and wishing and start planting seeds. Because when you plant that seed, here's the process. Verse 26. The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. 
First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. It's going to work. Too many times, because we're familiar with the things of God, we expect a harvest, and we haven't really planted a crop in that area. Are you listening? No matter how many times you've planted a garden and gotten a harvest, you still have to plant the garden to get the harvest. You don't get one year on credit because God loves you so much, because you've been so faithful. This year, I'm not going to have to plant. Yeah, you will. It's a, it's, a, it's a principle that the Lord will honor, but you have to do it the same old way. We get sloppy. And there are times, I will admit, there are times when we do get our miracle instant, instantly. Blessed, fully manifested. But don't be disappointed if what you have is a word from God. And you have to hold on to that word and believe that word. Don't, be, don't, don't get dis, disheartened if there are things in your life that haven't yet come to pass. And you have a promise that hasn't been fulfilled. Good for you. You're in good company. All the heroes of faith in years gone by believed things before they happened. That's what we do. We're, we're believers. We ought to be believing some things. If everything you ever wanted was instantly manifested, you wouldn't have to believe anything. But that's not the life we've been called to. We're believers. We believe it before we see it. We believe it before we experience it. We believe it now, and we have it later. That's the process. The seed... Uh, he should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself. There's, a, there's power in that word to bring it to pass. So rather than striving and struggling and stressing, that's why Paul said there is a rest in faith. There's a certain amount of rest in a farmer's life when he plants that field and gets that crop planted. Then He's done that part. The next thing that happens really is going to have to be up to nature, up to the principles that God put in the earth that's going to have to happen or, or there's not going to be a harvest, but it'll always happen. You get the seed planted and the, and the rest of it is going to happen. Amen. Amen. Trust in, in the process, in the Word of God. Now, when they plant natural seed, there's a germination rate. It's, it's rated for how many... Some of the seeds in the natural don't, don't germinate. But with God's Word, it's a 100% germination rate. God's Word is incorruptible seed. We're born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Isn't that good news? That means all of God's Word... Uh, will will produce fruit. It, it all germinates. Not one word of God is void of power. Then when, verse 29, when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So, so the, power, <clears throat> the power really is in the seed. We just kind of <clears throat> work with it. But the power is in the seed, not in you. You don't have to bring his word to pass. He brings it to pass. You just have to believe it, meditate on it. Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 
And that's how it works. So you can plant it, water it, and then let God bring about the increase. I don't think it's fair for people to, you know, expect a harvest when they haven't spent one minute. This is one of the biggest problems that I've had in, in, in uh, churches, church meetings. For a year, I did healing meetings in churches, and I would do three-day healing meetings. And I would always encourage people, don't come up for prayer the first day. We're not even going to pray for people until the third day. And you would, you would not believe the flack that I got for that. People, influential people would go to the pastor and say, I want prayer. I want, he's got to pray for me. I can't be there Tuesday night. I want prayer and I want it now. And they'd already been prayed for a hundred times and now it's going to be 101 and nothing happened. That they want their miracle. And really what they need is to go back to the beginning and plant the word, water the word, and let the word take root in them. Because they're trying to go straight for harvest rather than allowing the word of God to work and produce fruit in their life. And I can promise you, when you get it this way, nobody can take it away from you. You know, in the healing revival back in the 40s and 50s, they had the big tents. You remember that? <laughs> they had the big tents in the healing evangelists, and they'd preach healing. And miracles happened. I mean, gifts of the Spirit, where even skeptics would come and get healed. Instant miracles would happen all over the place. One of their biggest challenges was, I don't know if it was half the people, but around half of the people who got healed that way lost it in two weeks. It was an instant miracle, but they didn't know enough to hold on to what God had done. So Brother Hagin went along. He said God told him to go to the churches. He didn't do the crusades. He went in the churches and he taught. He taught the word. He sowed the word morning and night, morning and night, morning and night to teach the people how to get, receive from God and how to keep what you receive. This is basic stuff, but you know it's important. We can get so caught up in the spectacular that we forget, you know what? It still goes back to God and His Word. God will do what He said in His Word. He's always worked this way. We just happen to believe different things than they did. But, but, but He's always worked in, in the area of faith and His promises. I'm glad the promises have changed. How many of you know we're under a better covenant? Established on better promises? I think about some of these guys like Jeremiah. They called him the weeping prophet. You know what his message was? The Babylonians are going to come and take us all into slavery. And when they do, go. Wonderful. He didn't have one convert. Nobody believed what Jeremiah said. For his whole ministry, nobody responded. God just wanted to go on record. Thank God we got a new covenant established on better promises. I love the good news. How about you? I love to tell people God's not mad at you, that Jesus died for you, that you can be forgiven and healed and delivered and go to heaven. Wow. And then you look, look at Noah. Look at Noah's, Noah's ministry. He, he had to believe God. Did anybody know how long he preached his message? A hundred years. Telling people what? Judgment's coming. Boy, I'm glad I'm not that guy. God's going to get you. Judgment's coming. Repent. And by the time the flood came, only him and his kids survived. 
We ought to be thrilled with the things we believe today. Are you believing for your kids to be saved? Good for you. That's great. Are you believing for your family to go to heaven? Are you believing for your job, your, your career to explode and to go forward? Are you believing to, to, to do the will of God in, in a ministry? Do you have these unfulfilled promises in your life? Good, you're in good company. This is what we do. And the best is yet to come. Say, well, what do I do in the meantime? Just keep watering the word. Keep believing God. Keep allowing the word to work in your life. One of the most frustrating things you can do is try to get a harvest when it's time to plant. That's frustrating. You don't even use the same equipment. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the what? Gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. There's power in those words. Let me give you a couple other examples and then we'll move on. When God gave the children of Israel a land, He didn't give them a land. He gave them a promise. So we call it the promised land. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't to them. It was frightening. They, they were all happy about it while they were in, in Egypt. We're going to have a land. It's going to be our home, a land flowing with milk and honey. They had songs. They were looking forward to this time when they were going to go in and possess the land. And when they actually got over there and they started looking, they found out that the land was full of giants and enemies that they had to go take the land from. And they were shocked. They were, they were horrified. We're supposed to go, I mean, God, if you're going to give us a land, give us a land, but don't tease us. Go do something about those giants. They want to kill us. And so really, they, they've expected God to go wipe out the enemy, roll a red carpet across the Jordan River and say, now come on and get your land. But that's not how it works. He didn't give them a land. He gave them a promise. And if they understood what I'm telling you in Mark chapter 4, they would have gotten so excited. I've got a promise. And I'm going to take this promise and I'm going to get my land. But instead, they despised the promise. They didn't see the importance of it. They thought it was weak and insignificant compared to their enemies, and they missed their inheritance. That's being repeated today, is it not? Because people don't see the importance of the Word. They think coming to a service like this and sitting there and having somebody stand here and talk is really not what we need today. We're facing real problems. We got real enemies. It's not like it was in Jesus' day. We got real problems. There was no IRS in Jesus' day. They, they underestimate the power of a promise. But the, other, the next generation didn't. Joshua and Caleb got it. They said, oh, we got a promise. We, that's all we need. If we have a promise, we can take the land. If you don't understand the process, you're going to be looking for outside help. You're going to be looking for signs. You're going to be looking for some kind of encouragement that may never come. And you would think, I mean, if you were going to look at it in the natural, if you're going to have a nation of Jews, short people, go and take a land that's inhabited by warriors, big people with weapons that kill for fun, 
you're going to need some special training, special weapons, skills, some things, you know, to get, to get this done. No. They didn't have anything but a promise. And if they knew the value of that promise, they would have been so excited. And this happens over and over again in every area. You mean I'm supposed to fight this disease and all I have is this, pro this little promise? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to fight this crisis? I'm supposed to go through this challenge? I'm supposed to move that mountain and all I have is, is just a, a word? Yes! You ought to be thankful you got that word. It's more powerful than a nuclear bomb. It's more powerful than an army. It's more powerful than special forces. It's the word of God. And he wants you to take that word and possess your promise, your blessing. Possess it. Really, he has not changed. In fact, when Jesus went out, you know, you have this idea that Jesus went out and just picked people out and did things. But if you, if you watch, and, and, and maybe you have the idea that Jesus was, you know, was pre-informed pre, pre by the Father. Here's what's going to happen today. Boom, 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 boom. You got this itinerary. Keep it down to the second. I want, I want you to get these things done before you die. But really, if you, if you read the Gospels, Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And it's as if he was just out there sowing seeds. And he'd sow the seeds until somebody would respond, and that's where he'd go. It's not like the woman with the issue of blood was on his agenda. He didn't even know who she was. Are you getting this? If he had a list, she wasn't on it. But she got on it. How did she get on it? She responded to the words. She took it seriously. She valued it. She understood that I don't, I don't need an invitation. I don't need to feel anything. I don't need to see a vision. Boy, people have been talked out of their miracles. She could have gotten talked out of her miracle by religious people saying, now look, you're sick. You don't need to be trying to walk around. God knows everything. I know Jesus is coming to town today, but God knows you, and He knows where you are. And if God really wants to heal you, He'll come by here and heal you, and if He doesn't, He won't. Is that how a garden grows? Lord, there's the yard. Just have at it. Whatever will be, will be. Just do with it what you will, oh Lord. I pray for a good harvest. That's not how it works. She took that word. The Bible said she heard about Jesus. She heard some words, and she took it seriously, and she got her miracle. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? Let me give you one more. The, the centurion came to Jesus. <laughs> I like the centurion. He has nothing in common with me, really. He said, uh, my servant is at home, sick, about to die. Jesus said, this is in Matthew 8, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Huh. I would have said, really? You don't come heal him? Can you tell me about what time? Because I'm going to have people over. We're going to have cameras. We are going to have, a, I've been waiting for this all my life, a personal visitation from Jesus. How many of you would accept a visitation from the Lord? I would be, I mean, that would be a life changer. 
But the centurion said, that won't be necessary. What? Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. That's where you say, yes, sir. Would you like a ride? <laughs> you want to stay the night? What do you want? What do you like to eat? Jesus is coming to the house. He said, that won't be necessary. All I need is a word. If you'll speak the word, I'll get my miracle. And Jesus was astounded. You know, he wasn't astounded very often. Unbelief shocked him. <laughs> the levels of unbelief that he saw. And faith shocked him. And he looked at that centurion and he realized this guy has figured out how the kingdom works. And he is not even a Jew. He, he's not even part of my audience. I cannot imagine how this guy figured out the process. But he said, I haven't found such great faith in all of Israel. How many of you could say, Lord, I don't need a visitation. I don't have to feel anything. That's what I was looking for, for my salvation. I wanted to feel something, see something, have some sort of confirmation. But all I really needed was a word from God. Just give me a word and I'll get my miracle. Can you say that today? Can you believe that? Can you agree with that? God has put this power in our hands. He seated the world. I love this, this thought. You know, when God didn't give us produce to last forever, He didn't give us produce to last until the end of time. He gave us seeds. He gave us seeds. And now that there's seeds in the world, it's guaranteed that there will be produce. You could have a drought and famine. You could have some natural disaster wipe the world clean of vegetation. And in a year's time, it would all be back. Why? Because we got seeds. You might be able to get rid of the plant, but you can't get rid of the seeds. Have you ever had a garden? You ever pulled weeds? I got them. And then they come right back. You got the weed, but you didn't get the seed. You'll never get the seed. Poor devil. The world has been seeded with the word of God. And you can kill the preacher, and you can kill the movement, but you can't take the word out of the world. It's here, and it's here to stay. The world has been seeded with the salvation message and it ain't going back. It's here to stay. The world has been seeded with the healing message and it's not going back. The world has been seeded with the supernatural power of God and the miracles of God in seed form and it's not going back. You could wipe the world clean of Christians and evangelists and preachers and in one generation they'd all be back. Why? Because the Word's still here. And if one person picks up a, a promise from God, the revival is back. Isn't that good news? We have that history. We have that very thing happen in history when they put the Word in, the, the, in Latin and it wasn't in the language of the people and it was trapped behind these temple walls and, and, and the, these um, monasteries and whatever and the people didn't know the, the language, the, the, the word. It wasn't preached in their language. And a, and a man named Martin Luther got a hold of one word from God. The just shall live by faith. And the Reformation began with the planting of one seed in one man. That's because the world is seeded with the word and the promises of God. 
and they're not going back. Poor devil. As the rain and the snow comes down from heaven, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return into me void, but it will accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The world is seated with the word of God. The question is, how much of it are you going to plant? How much of it are you going to believe? Well, I was Methodist. I had no reservations. I was not taught against anything. I'll take it all. All of it. That's why they call us full gospel. We believe it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.